Hey, Mike, my stomach isn't doing so hot today, so I'm going to need you to take over if I need to go use the restroom or something, all right? Okay. Uh, wait, what? Show start, Mike. Pay attention. Let's get it going. Yo, welcome to the show. This is Chris to Chris, the only podcast that promises to fix your life and then does not fix your life. We're going to give it a shot, though. I am your host, Chris, joined in the studio today by my producer, audio engineer, best friend in the whole wide world. Mike is in the building. Say hi, Michael. Yo, man, we need to talk. Shut up, Michael. You might know me from YouTube. Chris vs. The World is my comedy channel. Laser Lemming is my gaming channel. Upandloaded.com brings them all together like one great, big, happy family. Don't forget that you can subscribe to this show, Chris to Chris, for new episodes every single Friday. Free episodes of a podcast every single Friday. What are the odds? We're on 17 weeks and counting without an interruption. No way that could be jinxed. Anyway, like I said, we're on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Pocket Casts, Podcast Republic, Anywhere you want to look for a podcast, we are there. And don't forget, as always, we are on upandloaded.com. That is our website. You can download the podcast directly to your computer, your phone. You can stream it from the website. It's a good time. We live in the future, and upandloaded.com wants to be in the future with you. We got a great show for y'all. Today we're talking gym prisons, woolly mammoth burgers, annoying radio commercials, and a whole lot more. But... First, nature calls. Uh, folks, I'm going to have to join you again shortly. My large intestine has an important meeting that it absolutely cannot miss. Uh, Mike is going to take over for a bit. Mike, you got this right. <sighs> God's sake. <sighs> no. 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 Yeah, I, I, I never agree to this. I never agree to this. I am not a host. I don't really listen to podcasts. I don't even really listen to this podcast. <laughs> Me and everyone else, I guess. <laughs> right? Uh, I don't know, dude. Let's talk about this fool. Chris. Chris Chris calls me his best friend, right? But the reality is I barely know this dude. We see each other for like an hour a week. And it's just for this show. And then I'm out of here. I don't know his favorite color. Or his favorite food. But really, I don't want to know. I don't care. I'd say I'm doing this for the money. But he barely pays me anything. I'm going to school, right? And he says he knows a music professor at Cal State LA that'll get me credit for doing the show as an internship. But I'm starting to think he's full of shit. I don't know. I don't know. What else? What else? What else? Uh, I buried my dog last week. Mike, what the hell are you talking about in here? Nobody wants to start a show with sad stories about your dead dog. Alright, folks. Uh, I was a false alarm. We're gonna move on. We're gonna move on. Uh, let's move on to the tip of the week. Why don't we? This week's tip is never do anything. Don't even attempt it. Don't do anything. So recently, to give you a little glimpse into my personal life, my personal professional life, I was uh, semi-promoted to this uh, supervisor-ish 
position at work. So that means I get all the joy of extra responsibility and all the pay of someone that makes much less than a real supervisor. So, you know, I, I took the position because you got to move on up like you're George Jefferson. That's the only way I get to my deluxe apartment in the sky. I, I. So my first day in this new position uh, it was on Monday. It, it was kind of cool, but also kind of uneventful, which I guess is, you know, best case scenario. I, I didn't expect fireworks or a celebration, but I, I did get some some side eye glances from people that had been there a lot longer than me. But what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do, right? I mean, you have to live your life thinking, well, would I regret not taking the position? You know, I don't know. Maybe that that might be very Jay Leno of me, but I never had the position, right? I didn't have the position. Give it up. And then take it back. It's just me moving on up like I'm George Jefferson. Anyway. So Monday was kind of uneventful, right? It's on Tuesday that everything went to shit. So last week, the tip of the week encouraged all of our listeners to turn off their cell phones. Just turn them off, leave them off. But turns out I was being kind of hypocritical. Because I still use my phone as an alarm clock. So you got to turn it on for it to be an alarm clock. You know, in this case, I just left it on all the time. And so, like I said, Monday was rather uneventful. Tuesday, though, started off with a bang. The kind of bang, uh, you know, the kind of bang that is a pistol pointed point blank at your temple. That kind of bang. So, Mr. Samsung heard my tip of the week last week and decided to teach me a little lesson. So on Tuesday, I'm getting one of the longest sleeps I've gotten in the last five years. I'm talking almost seven hours of sleep. Unprecedented in this world we live in. At least this world I live in. I, I, I live in an apartment that's right next to the stairs, so I hear people very loudly walking and talking next to the stairs all the time. Car alarms, chainsaws, lawnmowers, you know, all the joys of living in an apartment complex in Southern California. And, you know, it, it's no different. Like, just because I got almost seven hours of sleep doesn't mean it was a perfect sleep. Like I said, this was one of the best sleeps I'd ever gotten. And that's only because it was lengthy. But you know how I was woken up? With a car alarm. Car alarm, or several car alarms, going off for a while. But I was, I was able to try to trick myself into sort of falling back asleep. That was a bad idea. I mean, by then, though, it was probably already too late. So, it didn't click with me that something was wrong. But, eventually, I opened my eyes. And I look over at my wife. She was wide awake from the car alarms. And my brain starts working. The, you know, those gears start turning. The mouse wheel is spinning. And I noticed it's really bright in this room. And it's really warm in here. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. So I jolted up, as I often do. And I looked at my phone. It's on the other side of the room. But my phone is not displaying the time. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. 
So I get up, I click the unlock button, and it asks for my unlock code because the phone has been restarted. Fuck, fuck, fuck. The phone has been restarted. I sure as hell didn't restart it, but it decided to restart it on its own. And I knew right away that it was game over, man, game over. So I walked out of the room while my phone was slowly booting up in my clenched fist, and I looked over at the oven clock. I was supposed to be at work 15 minutes ago, and because my phone was still in that limbo of fully starting, even if my job had tried to call me to see what was up, I wouldn't get the call because my phone was pretty much off. So the good news here is that my wife did not need an alarm clock that morning. She got to hear me swear loudly for 30 seconds straight, which is the best possible way anybody could hope to wake up with uh, hearing the angry stress of somebody else. So I apologize to my wife. The bad news, you know, that was the good news. The bad news is that on my second day of work of trying to prove myself to a sea of pissed off coworkers, I'm 40 minutes late, you know, any, any preconceived notions they might have had about me or came up with me in the last 24 hours, they were already validating in their head. Now, granted, most people probably didn't realize I was late. It's a big floor. Lots of people work there. Most people aren't keeping tabs on me. But you, when, you, when you just start a new position like this and you already get in the side eye, it, it, it's, it's kind of not what you want to have happen, like at all. So I wasn't, I wasn't too thrilled with that. It was not my, uh, my, my best moment. So this week's tip is to never do anything. Don't try anything new. Don't strive to be better. Just sit still and hope for the best. That's it. You got to give up. <sighs> or, or, you know, ignore everything I just said. As far as I know, I'm still the boss of this sauce, so I just need to cool my jets. And maybe you should cool your jets too before before listening to a podcast host just tell you to give up on life. You know, only listen to me when it when it's helpful. That said, I think it's time we move on to a little segment I like to call Video Game Corner. And in this corner, it's gonna be a little bit of a different video game corner. This corner is uh, myself and my wife, you know, we're two people, and uh, we've been playing some video games together, more, we've been playing them more often lately, and it's not just video games actually, uh, we are also playing, we're also currently in the middle of the longest game of BoJack Horseman Monopoly ever played, it's a, it's an intense battle, anyway, uh, we've been playing this game called Beat Saber, on the Oculus Rift, that's a, a VR game. You put on the, the VR headset on the computer, and you just uh, start swinging your, your... It's pretty much lightsabers. It's uh, it's like uh, the 99... You know at the 99 cent store? Not the 99 cent store, but any toy store where you have a knockoff lightsaber that's not approved by George Lucas. You got your, your beat sabers. 
and you're you're just swinging the sabers to the music. You're you're slicing them in the motion of the block. So the block tells you to swipe up. You swipe that thing up. It tells you to swipe left and right. You swipe left and right. It's a fun game. Love music games, and this is a fun game. It's actually the perfect game to play right before bed because you will only see blocks flying at your face all night. You'll wake up thinking about blocks flying at your face. It's a great it's a great way to live. We've also been playing a little game called Overcooked 2 on the Nintendo Switch. And this game is the perfect game to play when you want to feel like a failure as a human being. See, before Overcooked 2, I thought that I was a competent member of society. I thought I could adapt to change quickly. I thought I could learn new things fast and then kick ass at whatever I had just learned. But then I played Overcooked 2. And I realized that my entire life and my conception, my conception, my perception of my, my life was a lie. Everything I believed about myself was not true. And yet, I don't think that I will ever stop playing Overcooked 2. See, by stopping, you admit defeat. And what am I talking about? Overcooked 2 is a game where you and probably somebody else, that's probably the best way to play it, is with another person or people. But the idea is to cooperate in a kitchen to create dishes. Like it's a you're you're a, a line chef essentially. A line cook where you got people ordering things. You don't ever see the people, but they're ordering things. They say, "Hey, I want a salad. Hey, I want some sushi. Hey, I want a burger. I want a steak." But it's really usually some kind of blend of ingredients. And what you got to do is you have to cook like you're in a kitchen. So you if you want to if you want to make spaghetti, for example, you have to take noodles out of the noodle bin, throw them into a pot, and put them on a plate. But you'll also need to chop tomatoes and simmer them in a skillet and then put them on the noodles. That's an easy, that's an easy dish, right? Just two ingredients. And then you, you just throw that sucker onto a plate and send it out. But there's so much to it. You have to do it quickly. If you leave the noodles in the in the pot too long, they're gonna burn. If you leave the sauce in the pot too or in the skillet too long, it's gonna burn. Before you know it, you're screaming at each other to to just do it right. Just stop screwing up. Just stop. <sighs> and that's just the tip of the iceberg. But I gotta say, while this game might have shattered my ego, I will not let it take away my stubbornness as a man. So I'm gonna keep playing it. I'm gonna keep playing it until the day I die. Or until the day Overcooked 2 dies. We'll see. Whichever comes first, Overcooked, your move. Your move, buddy. Oof, on that note, Mike, uh, looks like nature's calling again. I will be right back. Do me a favor. No more stories about dead pets, okay? Okay. Thanks, Mike.
So this fool gave me no warning about this at all. Like none, none. If I get the final cut of this episode, I'm going to replace all of this with white noise or something. <laughs> uh, white noise might actually be a good name for a Nickelback album. Is this still cool to shit on Nickelback? <sighs> I'm not a podcast host, not a host, I don't like public speaking. I have literally nothing planned to talk about. Nothing. Actually, you know what? I don't reply to them much, but Chris messages me all the time on Facebook. This fool's leaving me out to dry, so I might as well just read some of his messages to me. Gotta kill the time somehow. Alright, let's see here. Okay, check this out. He sent me this at 4 in the morning. 4 a.m. Chris says, Hey Mike, what are you up to? Let's go bowling or something. One minute later. One minute. Not even not even a full minute. This is 40 seconds later. Mike, are you okay? I haven't heard back from you. Then he said, Check out this video of a Pomeranian getting his hair cut. He looks like he's having a blast. I don't normally go for small dogs, but this dog is making me reconsider my prejudice. Who talks like this? Okay, check this. Check this right here. I Remember, this is four in the morning, so I'm asleep like a human being. Two minutes later, Mike, you aren't responding. OMG, are you okay? Are you breathing? I'm coming over. Now, his ass really did knock on my door at 4.30 in the morning. I freaking pulled out a knife. I pulled out... I was, I was done with this fool. So after that, I told him I moved. And I refused to give him a new address. Okay, I'm back. You're not talking about any more dead pets or anything, Mike, are you? Okay. Sorry about that, folks. It's uh, it's been a rough, it's been a rough night. <sighs> okay, let's move on to the news. A man named Jonathan Santos was locked inside of a 24-hour fitness in Spring, Texas, this week. He said that an employee acknowledged him in the locker room during their final walkthrough of the night. But when he tried to leave, the doors were locked like a prison. They, <laughs> they even had a weight room, right? Uh, so rather than call the police, Mr. Santos did the smart move, you know? Tried to, avoid, tried to avoid going the legal beagle route. So he called another 24-hour fitness to handle business. And after 25 long, excruciating minutes of unjust imprisonment, he was freed. No report on whether or not he quoted Dr. King in a very hyperbolic way. But I doubt it. So he said uh, he didn't get an apology from 24-Hour Fitness. They just said, yo, uh, we, we told you we were closing, bro. I'm paraphrasing, but that's pretty much what they said. Now imagine the kind of job security that you must have where you can lock up a joint and see this dude inside 
and you don't see him leave. And then you go home without a care in the world. Not a care in the world. So the real crime here is that this 24-hour fitness in Spring, Texas is not living up to its name. That's what we in the podcast business like to call a bold-faced lie. Why are you called 24-hour fitness? I know this is like a totally like some sort of Jerry Seinfeld joke in the early 90s, but you're called 24-hour fitness. Why? Why? You know, if you're not if you're not actually open 24 hours, you got to call it like it is, you know? Some 24-hour fitnesses are open 24 hours, like this one he called to get free. Like maybe he should have been there because this fool might find himself locked in more places down the line. And granted, you know, part of this is his fault for not getting out of there sooner. But the real reality is, is that this man was protesting for his right to party or his right to work out. He, he, was, he was locking up, you know, he was, he was in the locker room taking his sweet time. But at the end of the day, he was in a place, an establishment called 24-Hour Fitness. Not 12-Hour Fitness, not 16-Hour Fitness, but 24-Hour Fitness. And if you don't actually stay open for 24 hours, you are running a sham. You're running a sham. It's like your life had been changed by playing Overcooked 2. That's what this 24-hour fitness was. Anyway, I'm rambling. But yeah, I, I think the real crime here is that there are 24-hour fitnesses out there that are not actually open for 24 hours a day. More like 24 hours a week, am I right? Am I right? Anyway, what else we got here? Oh, God. I, okay, another Florida story here. Seems like half of our stories come out of Florida, but... So some fools out of uh, the Ponte Vedra Beach in Florida lost their Honda CRV to the ocean because they thought it would be fun to watch a lunar eclipse in their SUV. What they did was they drove their SUV on the beach. On the beach, as you do when you want to lose a car. And they just parked it there. You know, I can see. I could see you driving on the beach like maybe you're in a Humvee. And you are a lifeguard. But uh, they decided to drive on the beach and just stay there. And forgot that that ocean that is gently swooshing back and forth to your wheels is an ocean. It's a living organism in a way. I mean, it's full of trillions of living organisms. But... The ocean likes to rise and fall, rise and fall. If you ever find yourself, this is a, just a quick tip of the week here. If you ever find yourself at a beach where there should be ocean, but it's way back there, you better run. You better run the opposite direction. Don't run towards the ocean. You got to run the opposite direction because the tsunami is about to come and destroy everything and very likely kill you. So that's our quick little tsunami warning of the week. But uh, let's get back to this story. I don't know if this is a group of friends or family or whatever it was, but it was a group of people in their Honda CRV. And while they patiently waited 
for the moon and the sun to make sweet love. The ocean was plotting to devour these dumbasses alive. So somewhere along the way, they realized that their car was sinking into the sand, and they got out. Now, the, the news story said that they were able to safely get out. Like, of course they were able to safely get out. Their, their car is slowly sinking into the sand. I mean, I guess if these idiots had stayed in their car long enough for the ocean to swallow their doors, they might be in trouble because at that point the, the sand would be blocking them from even opening their doors. But that's not what happened. However, this, this car, there are pictures of this online and video, but this car is straight up halfway into the sand. <laughs> and I guess they were able to safely get the car out. I'm assuming some sort of expensive tow truck did that job. But, you know, the ocean also got your car. Probably, probably did a number on it. But uh, they were looking, or they, they went there to look at what was called a super blood wolf moon. Which, if you have to lose your car to an eclipse, to the ocean, that is possibly the coolest and geekiest name for an eclipse you could possibly come up with. It just screams like wolves howling at the moon on a t-shirt or painting. It's kind of badass, kind of goofy. I like it. Oh, again, oh, Jesus. Mike, you know the drill at this point. I'll be right back. Okay, you know what? Uh, this is an audio show, so you can't see what's going on, but this fool has been drinking a giant sugar-free can of Rockstar this whole time. It's no wonder this fool can't stop running to the toilet every five minutes. I have no idea what to talk about. I've exhausted everything I could possibly say. <sighs> I don't know. Y'all hear about that uh, R. Kelly documentary? I haven't seen it, but it sounds like stuff that people have been saying for years, so seems kind of obvious to me. Dude got away with pissing on a minor, though. You know, years ago, he was in court. They, they saw the video of it, and they said, yeah, whatever. So I guess you feel kind of invincible when a jury sees a video of you pissing on a teenager, and they still said that you're not guilty. Like, oh. I guess I can do anything, and you guys will still love me. Mike, are you talking about pissing on children on my show? Oh, you're talking about that R. Kelly. Uh, yeah, R. Kelly. Uh, okay, enough of that. Uh, let's move on to some listener questions. This week we have some great questions. Ken asks uh, some good questions here. First question is, why does the Geico Gecko have an English accent? Geckos aren't found in England. You guys know the Geico gecko? Car insurance. Green little fella. Makes jokes. Sweet little guy. Uh, so why does he have an English accent if geckos aren't found in England? That's, that's a good question. I got a, I got a solid answer for you here. So the reason that that Geico gecko has an English accent is because he, he was, like, uh, like many animals, imported. He, he was brought there. Some might say against his will. I don't know. I don't know. Is he a first or second generation gecko? You know, back in the day, and this actually still does happen in this world, in some parts of the world, 
But back in the day, and especially in America, there was a time where people were, were brought over to this country against their will. You know, people that weren't native to this land. And some people also voluntarily came that weren't native to this land. So it uh, could be good, it could be bad. Not slavery. Slavery is just bad. But I'm saying people willingly immigrate as well. So I don't know. I don't know if uh, the Geico gecko was a willful immigrant or the uh, product of lizard trafficking. Actually, I, I do have a video of myself. Uh, it's called uh, Gecko Bomb. Highly encourage you guys to look it up. It's on my YouTube channel. And it, it does actually touch on this subject a little bit. So yeah, I, I, I want to say that the Geico Gecko is... Uh, I'm going to give him... His accent's kind of kind of legit. So I'm going to say he's a, at least a second generation Gecko. You know, his parents might have came here uh, through questionable means. But I want to say that he's a naturalized citizen... And he deserves to, uh, to to stay if he wants, if he so chooses. Ken also asks uh, another uh, English question. He says, how come in World War II films, Germans always have English accents? I, I, can, I can tell you why right now, as soon as I take a sip of this uh, lemonade. So, you guys, you guys have seen World War II movies, I'm sure, or you've heard of them. And yeah, they, they, they generally have English accents, pretty much almost everybody talking, often. So why? Why is that? Well, have you ever heard the phrase, don't apply for the job you have, apply for the job you want? And I think that applies here, right? The Germans, as we know, especially during World War II time, were pretty bad people. I mean, the country. The, the, I can't speak for all Germans at the time, right? I'm sure there were Germans that disagreed with what was going on. But I think we can agree that the Nazis were bad, right? Killing millions of people against their will is bad. And so you don't... It, it, we know that they lost. They lost. And when you lose, you don't want to be on the losing team anymore. You want, to, you want to forget your past and move on, right? And it's hard to do when uh, Brad Pitt is carving a swastika in your forehead. So you have, to, you have to put on that English accent. You have to say, I behold he, I am English, yeah? So uh, my German listeners are <laughs> probably thrilled with my impression. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, it, it, this movie, Valkyrie, starring Tom Cruise, came out years ago. And in the beginning of the movie, everybody's trying to speak in authentic accents. I saw the movie once in theaters, so my, my memory might be a little off. But it's like the first scene. People are speaking in German, and they're, they're putting on the accent. And then there's like this weird like transition, in the, just like mid-sentence almost, where... All of a sudden, everybody's just speaking in English, no accents really, or no German accents, and they just say, hey, yo, "Like we're not going to pretend." Tom Cruise doesn't speak German; he, he can't fake the funk for two and a half hours. So this is what you're getting, and I think that's it. That's what it boils down to. The 
the Germans and the English are in close proximity. And as we know, the English and the Americans, uh, they, 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 they stomped on Germany at the end of the day. At the end of the day, we won. Germany lost, which uh, means Germany had to pick a side, you know? Lots of them picked South America, is what I hear, but for those that didn't want to take that long boat ride, they had to pick a side, you know? It, it's hard to pretend, it's hard, I think it's harder for a German, a post-World War II Nazi, to pretend he's an American, to put on a fake American accent, than it is for them to put on an English accent, because like I said, they were closer. They were closer to England. So they were probably more familiar with the English accent. And they could fake it better, right? I can't, I can't fake a good German accent. I don't think I can. I do, I do a decent Russian. But I don't think I could do a, that great of a German. At least not yet. But I think it probably goes the other way as, as well. Germans probably aren't too great at imitating Americans. I'm, I'm spe doing a lot of generalizations here, but... In my unbiased opinion, I don't think there's any way I could possibly be wrong here. Ken also asks, If scientists find a way to clone a woolly mammoth, how much do you think they will charge for mammoth burgers? Great question, great question. You know, if, if we have an animal, we gotta turn it into a burger somehow. I, if we had T-Rexes out here, you don't think we'd be eating T-Rex burgers? It, there's a There's a establishment a restaurant establishment in america i don't know how widespread it is across america but it's called fuddruckers and they sell a lot of interesting burgers at least they did i don't know if they still do but they i remember they they sold ostrich burgers at one time you know ostriches those giant birds somebody said hey i wonder what that would taste like with some ketchup and pickles some cheese so they, they made that bird into a burger. They made it into a birder. You get that? You get it? A birder? That could be a good popsicle stick joke. Anyway, I think they also had uh, a buffalo burger. I'm pretty sure. Because I know I ate a buffalo burger at one point, And I'm pretty sure I got it from Fuddruckers. And so if they, if they ever get that woolly mammoth thing going, of course they're going to make it into a burger. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure legally they have to. If there is an animal, a big animal, legally you have to turn a certain percentage of them into food. That's just uh, U.S. law. But how much would they charge for it? As we all know, woolly mammoths are not currently in existence. They're what we like to refer as extinct. And... Rumor has, I don't actually, I don't think it's rumor, I think it's well established at this point, that uh, a while back, decades ago, this dude uh, was in the mountains, you know, the mountains, I can't tell you which mountains, but he was in the mountains, and there must have been some cold mountains, and he stumbled upon a woolly mammoth trapped in ice, and it was dead, you know, as as you tend to be when you've been trapped in ice for, how, how long ago were Woolly mammoths extinct? I was going to say millions of years. Thousands? No, it's got to be millions, right? It's got to be millions. It takes a long time for a woolly mammoth to become an elephant. So, millions of years in ice. Correction time. I was right and wrong. Woolly mammoths have been around for about 55 million years, according to Wikipedia. But they stuck around all the way about until 150 BC. So let's carry on. And this dude finds one. 
I was like, oh, great, found a woolly mammoth. I actually first heard about this in seventh grade, which was in the uh, 1990s. So it was a while back. But I also remember hearing that the guy who found it was pretty religious, and he said, listen, scientists, I'm not going to let you clone this woolly mammoth. I found it. It's mine. You can't clone it. You can't clone it. That's against his religion. But they wanted to clone the woolly mammoth just because that's what they did in Jurassic Park, right? Maybe they could clone that woolly mammoth and find some some raptor DNA, some some triceratops, some pterodactyls. But he said no. I mean, this is all hearsay. I don't know. This is what I remember from seventh grade. But if it ever comes to pass where he has a change of heart and he says, listen, you know what? I was wrong. I think we should be eating mammoth burgers. I think it would cost a pretty penny. I'm talking 20 bucks a burger, easily. 20 bucks. 20 bucks a, 20 bucks a woolly mammoth burger. At least to start. When something's new, like when the PlayStation 3 first came out, it was $500 and $600, depending on which one you got. And by the time the PlayStation 3 was out for several years, you can get it for like 200 bucks. So uh, the same thing applies to anything. Any, anything that's been out for a long enough time, demand will eventually diminish, and you'll have to get people, you'll have to generate interest in Woolly Mammoth Burgers. So I think we could easily be looking at 20 bucks, and that's on the low end, you know, especially if they only clone one Woolly Mammoth, then they're really going to charge a lot for that burger, right? Maybe $25, $30. 30 bucks a burger. So it's not cheap, but possibly worth it, right? You, who knows what kind of mistake you might be making by eating DNA from an animal that existed millennia before you, but you don't want to go your life thinking, I should have ate that woolly mammoth burger. Great questions, Ken. We also have a question from Devin here. And he asks a good question here. He says, what's your least favorite local terrestrial radio commercial? You guys know what he's talking about. AM radio. Hell, FM radio. PM radio. Radio commercials. Jingles. When I read this question, the tune started playing in my head almost immediately. One eight seven seven cars for kids. Donate your car today. See how well I sang that? Those kids sing it just as well. Just as well. Except it's a kid that like when you when you see the kid, because sometimes these commercials are also on TV. It, I, I I feel like these commercials are made to as some sort of maybe social experiment or prank to just incite violence or anger because never have I heard a Cars for Kids commercial and thought, you know what? I want to give a car to that kid because that song gets stuck in your head all day, all day. The fact that I just sang it right now is probably going to piss you off because it's in your head now. It's in your head and it's not going away. One eight seven seven cars for kids. That's how it goes. All day. All day. 
little ginger kid with freckles, and he's just singing it really poorly. They didn't even get a kid that's good at singing. That's Cars with a K. That's what they always say at the end. On the, uh, on the TV version of the commercial, there's little text at the bottom of the screen. You know that little text? It's like a disclaimer. It's hard to read. I'm pretty sure that text explicitly says this commercial is poison for your ears and you should by no means listen to this commercial more than one time a day. Doctors recommend never listening to this commercial. It's like heroin or meth, you know? You can try it, but you probably shouldn't. You probably shouldn't listen to a Cars for Kids commercial. Anyway, thanks for the question, Devin. Thanks for the question, Ken. Questions, Ken. Uh, you guys have uh, been great. Uh, also, you know, we're about to wrap this sucker up, but we have to go over some poll results. As you guys might know, every week we do a poll on our up-and-loaded Facebook page. And last week we asked our listeners, have you ever driven over the speed limit? 25% of our listeners said that they had never driven over the speed limit. Never, officer. Of course not. 75% though said that, yeah, I've done it. And I'll do it again. I'll do it again. Have you guys ever driven over the speed limit? Let us know. Uh, you, can, you can comment on our upandloaded.com Facebook page and our upandloaded.com website. We have a comment section on all of these podcast pages. So go ahead, leave us a comment. We appreciate it. Let us know what you think of the episode. Episodes. This week's poll, since you know we're talking about Mr. Kelly, uh, you're dying of thirst. This is the poll question. You are dying of thirst. Say you're in a desert, just crawling, thirsty, starving for water. And R. Kelly shows up, and he offers you a glass of lemonade. He says, hey, this is lemonade. He offers it to you. Do you drink it? Don't forget that you can vote on this on our Up and Loaded Facebook page. We are also on Twitter and Instagram. Up and Loaded, U-P-N-L-O-A-D-E-D. Also, don't forget that you can subscribe to this show on uh, iTunes, Google Podcasts, all that good stuff. It's been a little bit of a longer episode, but I feel like it was worth it. I feel like it was worth letting the episode breathe. Let me know what you guys think. Don't forget to have a good life. This has been episode 17 of Chris to Chris. Enjoy your weekend or else. Oh,